0: This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay. Thank you to my lovely assistant. Kim's pushing the buttons today. So here we are finishing up Daniel chapter 4. And we talked about how God can reach anyone. God can reach anyone. And today we're going to see how God can change anyone. Change and save anyone. We're looking at Nebuchadnezzar being broken today. (coughs) Excuse me. Nebuchadnezzar is broken. God can change anyone. Daniel 4... 28 starting out with. This, this story reminds me of Beauty and the Beast. A lot of, most of you know Beauty and the Beast. This guy has this incredible pride. It turns him into a beast, and then the curse is broken when he is finally loved. And we're going to see that Nebuchadnezzar is also a beast. He has lots of pride. Let's see what breaks him and what breaks the curse in his life. Let's see what breaks that curse in his life. And we'll, let's pray first of all. Father, we just pray that your word would cut to our hearts. You know our pride. You know what needs to be changed, what needs to be broken in our life, what needs to happen if we're not a Christian yet, what needs to happen for our salvation. I pray that your word today would be that very thing in our lives. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We'll pick it up here in Daniel, oh, I can't wait to, we're having so much fun with this one. If you heard, didn't hear the last one, go back, listen, <clears throat> the beginning of Daniel 4, but I'll start with Daniel 4, verse 28. We, know da- we already saw how Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and Daniel has warned him. It's a nightmare that God is warning Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel warns him and let's see what he does with that. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later. As the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence? By my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. Ooh, hoo hoo uh, Like I said last time we saw, Daniel warns him. What does he do? He re- God even gives him uh, one last chance. Well, what does he do? He rejects God's mercy and grace. God was very patient... A year later, this is 12 months later, and he he didn't listen. And oftentimes when God warns us or somebody God uses somebody or something to warn us, and when nothing happens, God is waiting a little bit, we think, well, God doesn't care. God doesn't care how I'm living. He doesn't care what I'm doing. He doesn't care what I'm ignoring. He doesn't care. He's okay with my life the way that it is. We might live this way lots of years. And God doesn't. He's okay with my life the way that it is. No. God is... Patient, the Bible says he is patient with us, very patient, and he 's probably up on top of the he 's up on top of his palace, but he 's probably up there with his entourage, maybe a couple hundred of his wives. <laughs> look what I did, look what I did <clears throat> and it 's impressive what he did. The walls were three hundred feet high, the walls around Babylon were three Hundred feet high. They were so wide that they would hold chariot races on top. Four chariots could fit side by side around the wall and they would race them along the wall around Babylon. That's how, how huge and wide these walls were and they were 60 miles around. It was a 60 mile ride on the chariot around. It held 2 million people. This was a massive, amazing place. The buildings, many of them were gold plated buildings, especially the roofs. People could see it from far away when the sun was shining. It was just a spectacular place. And then the river Euphrates ran right through. Babylon they the river was went right through it they planned it this way and there's these huge metal bars in the wall going down into the foundation of the river so that nobody could in, come in and, and invade it because that was always the weak spot the water but he had it all figured out he the, he had these iron bars this place was secure this was airtight and he has his pride he says look what I've done and don't we all have that pride Not because we built a Babylon, but any little thing could blow us up. I have my puffer fish over here. I can't get up because i got the mic stuck on me. But the puffer fish, every time it gets scared, it puffs up, you know? Well, that's what we're like. Every time something good happens, we get this pride blows up our head, right? We get these big heads. <clears throat> it's the human weakness that we have that we, we all struggle with pride. And Nebuchadnezzar was no different, only he had a lot to be proud of, even more than we have to be proud of. And he, he had this incredible pride in this incredible city. They have found a lot of the bricks from the time of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And every single brick from that time has an inscription on the brick. <laughs> on the brick used to build everything. And the inscription says, I am Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Every brick he had inscribed, because see it, every all these bricks, millions of bricks, I am Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And he doesn't yet realize that he's made of the same dirt as those bricks are. That's right, we're all made of the same dirt that the bricks we used to build are, right? And so this very he says this, he's been warned by God, he says his arrogant thing, and his very next words are moo. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna do it the right way, because I'm a farm boy, I can speak cow. <laughs> uh, uh, that's that's muh oh muh oh. <laughs> the very next words, like Scooby Doo, right? Muh oh. <laughs> the very he couldn't speak English anyway. He could only speak cow. Uh, and and I can speak cow, so I can understand this. But let's look at um, let's look at what happens. The very next thing that happens, the words were still verse thirty one. The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you. King Nebuchadnezzar, your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from your people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge the most high is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. dirt <laughs> I added the dirt immediately what he had had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of the heavens until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. <clears throat> wow. Wow. God's discipline, not judgment. We'll see, it's really discipline, but it looks like judgment, hits Nebuchadnezzar like a ton of bricks. <laughs> I am Nebuchadnezzar, well... Bam! I am God. It hits him, and the, there's a medical term for what happens. He acts like a cow. There's a medical term, actually. It's called boanthropy. Boanthropy. It combines cow, bovine, with man. It's when someone thinks they're a cow. They think that's this is what they think they are. He probably was very popular on the talk shows after he came to his senses and changed. Uh, he was top. He was probably in all the tabloids, popular on all the the, the talk shows. My life as a cow, right? In in the in. And the critics, biblical critics say there's no way this happened because Nebuchadnezzar announces it to all the people. He announces it. and So there's no way this Bible story could happen because this is unheard of. Rulers didn't record their bad times. You think of Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh and the Exodus and all that happened in Egypt. It's not recorded. It's recorded in the Bibles, but there's very little evidence anywhere else. Well, no kidding, because re- rulers never recorded the bad things. They don't record their defeats. You know, they only record their victories and the good things. That's all they want to be remembered of them. But that the very fact that this is recorded, that Nebuchadnezzar does record this, shows something. It shows that it is true. It shows that he did have a true conversion, which we're going to see later. In fact, this is recorded in other places, not just in the Bible. The, in East, the East India Museum in London, there is a tablet. There's a tablet there that records Nebuchadnezzar's illness and his inactivity. Illness and inactivity, which is very significant. This is a historical fact written in the Bible. Everything in the Bible is a historical fact. But Nebuchadnezzar, there's lots of history and data recorded about him in lots of different places. And some of this history has showed that he took seven years off from ruling. Like Michael Jordan took a couple years off. You're watching the documentary. Nebuchadnezzar took seven years off. But and then all of a sudden in history, in the historical records, after disappearing for this time, all of a sudden he reappears for a short time. He reappears. He makes a sh- sudden reappearance. And then he disappears from history forever. And we see last chapter, we're going to see him here too. But also in the historical data, after he comes back, he disappears from history forever. Nebuchadnezzar has the first case of mad cow disease. (laughs) He's mad. He's insane. He is, he, but he already was mad, wasn't he? He already was mad. He thinks that he's in control of his, his destiny. That's spiritual madness. But God allows an external expression of his inner madness. He allows an external expression of this madness to, to so everybody could see what what he became outwardly. What was what he already was inwardly. He already was mad. But now he has this mad cow disease. Now he has this outward crazy behavior, and. The interesting thing when people study this, the experts say, that when someone has this boanthropy, this mad cow disease, not the one that kills you that we all heard about years ago in the U.S., 20 years ago, whatever, but this other one, this boanthropy, often the person with boanthropy keeps their inner consciousness. They know what's going on. They know what's happening, but they can't do anything about it. They keep acting like a cow with this mental illness. And and it reminds me of that movie, Shaggy Dog movie with Tim Allen. I don't know if some of you remember that one. He's such a funny guy. But he knew he was a dog. He was aware. Inside this dog, he was still... Tim Allen, right? He knew he was this dog, but he couldn't stop back like one. Somebody threw a stick, he had to run after the stick, you know? He couldn't do anything about it, and it finally broke him. Remember, it finally breaks him, and he becomes a good dad and comes back as a real dad again. He's broken, and this is what we see happens to Nebuchadnezzar. He keeps his inner awareness Consciousness, but there's nothing he can do. Moo! He, Mr. Brown, can move. How about you? You know that book? Well, Nebuchadnezzar can move. How about you? We all can. Uh, he's broken here. Let's look at verse 34 when he's broken. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is in it eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does what he pleases. With the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? So he, he is broken. It took seven years, but he finally comes to the end of himself and he turns to God. God is sovereign. God is in control, not me. Not me, I'm not in control. It reminds me of what happened to Napoleon. Napoleon in the start of his, his career before he ended up conquering the, the world. Napoleon, uh, I want to read a quote that he said. Napoleon said, yeah, I'm still digging here. He's using all these. Napoleon said, God is on the side of the biggest artillery. That was Napoleon's attitude. God is on the side of the biggest artillery. Years later, when he was in exile, when everything was taken from him, he had nothing left. He changed and he said this, man proposes, but God disposes. Man proposes, but God disposes. He reached the end. He was broken. This is what happened. That's what the Coldplay song uh, Viva La Vida is all about. It's all about uh, Napoleon. And the breaking of Napoleon, God has to break all of us. That's a great song, by the way. You listen to the words, and there's a lot of spiritual meaning to that. But God has to to break all of us in order to save us and to make us usable. God has to do that with all of us. But before God, we see it all over the Bible. Brokenness, the brokenness. We see it all over the Bible. We see God breaking people. We see David. When was he broken? Well, he faked madness too. He faked it and then he ended up in a cave for all those years. He, that was God's breaking time for David. The apostle Paul. Well, when he was Saul, he's knocked off the horse and blinded. And then he became Paul. Moses. Forty years in the desert. This powerful prince of Egypt who killed the Egyptian in his own flesh. Uh, anger. He, he ends up in the desert for 40 years watching the stinking sheep. That's how God prepared him to, to lead Israel. Uh, Peter. Proud Peter, when he denied Jesus three times. That was his breaking. Jonah. Well, we all know what happened to Jonah. Fish guts. He was in the the fish, the gut of the fish. He ended up fish guts. All right. Jacob. Jacob is a great example. What happened? How was he broken? Jacob was strong. He could move that stone, remember? He was smart. He deceived everybody. He was just playing with everybody, manipulating everybody. He was blessed. God blessed him so much, he became very Proud, But God wanted to use him, and so he had to get to him. And so he couldn't wear him, his flesh down. He couldn't wear him down. Remember, then God came in human form and wrestled with him, put himself in the same level, and wrestled. And and Jacob would not back down from God. So God says, I'm going to have to do something drastic. He touches his hip, and he cripples him for life. He walked with a limp the rest of his life. That was a reminder to be broken before God to be humble before God to listen to God it was a permanent reminder before God can save us and then before he can use us he has to break us he has to break us i was used to be a swimming lifeguard i was a swimmer swam competitively and i was a lifeguard and i also trained taught lifeguards trained people how to be lifeguards and The thing that we always train people to do, I said, if you're a lifeguard and somebody is drowning, never swim out to them. Ever. Because guess what happens? If you swim up to a drowning person, guess what they're going to do? They're going to grab a hold of your head and pop it like a zit. They're going to have this incredible adrenaline power. They're going to grab you and they're going to pull you down. They're panicked. You can't say, oh, just calm down. Here I am. Here, take my hand. Oh, no, no. They jump on you. It, It happened to you one time, one time. A little squirt was swimming. He jumped off the board. He was struggling. I'm like, oh, it's just a little kid. I'm a big swimmer. And I jumped in and I swam over. He grabbed me. I felt like I was grabbed by a, by a vice grip. And he started grabbing me and freaking out. And I was able to swim to the side. Because anyway, he's just a little kid. And I was only a few feet from the side. But what if I was out in the middle of a lake or something? Or, or even in the middle of a pool? That's what happens. Someone's drowning. You don't go near them. You know what you do? You have to wait. You have to wait. Now, first of all, you should always, if you can, bring something out. You bring out a life preserver and you ha- you push it out to them, and let them take that. And if they won't receive that life preserver, too bad. <laughs> you, know, you know, too bad because a lot of times they're so panicking they won't even take that. But you wait, you push it to them, and let them take that. And and then they take that, then you swim to safety. But if you don't have a life preserver, this is what we train people to do. What you do instead is you swim up to them. You try to get their attention, but they're not going to listen. They're freaking out. They're drowning. And I've seen it. And what you do is you wait. You wait till they go under the water. Not the first time, because all of a sudden they come up. And get, <laughs> but you wait till they go under for good, till they completely give up and they start sinking and they say, "I'm going to drown." And they gave up. They're completely played out. They're worn out. They're drowning. And when that happens, you reach out and you grab them by the hair. <laughs> Be careful. You grab by the hair and you swim, swim to safety. You get them out of the water and you swim to safety. That's what you do. You have to wait until they go under and they've completely given up. They've been broken. And that's what happens with us. It's not till we are completely given up in the flesh and we're sinking that God can reach out and, 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 and help us. And, and, and save us and use us after that point. <clears throat> Watchman Nee, some of you have heard of Watchman Nee. He spent 20 years in a Chinese prison as a Christian pastor and then he ended up dying in a, another prison in 1972. And listen to what he said. I'll never forget, I wrote this down. He said, unless we are dealt and broken through discipline, we shall restrict God. Without the breaking of the outward man, The church cannot be a channel of God. Powerful words. This is what I'm talking about. Have you been broken? Have you been broken? I have many times. (laughs) Only God knows just how much I've been broken and still need to be broken. Only God knows. It's between God and I. Only we know how much he's had to break me and how much further there is to go. But how is God breaking us today? How is he bringing us to the end of ourself? What is he using? It could be pain and suffering. It could be failure. It could be a struggle with a temptation. It could be anything. We could be hitting the wall somehow. It could be anything. What is he using, not just to save us, but to keep us soft? See, to bring first of all, to get us saved takes a breaking. But then even after we're saved, we keep still trying to go back to the flesh and back to our own power and our own strength, our own pride. And so God has to keep us soft, and, and, and he does. Maybe he's using a thorn in the flesh in your life, a thorn in the flesh, like he did with the apostle Paul. Second <clears throat> Corinthians twelve, seven says this: To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Paul was doing such much amazing ministry, given such amazing revelation, he wrote all these books of the Bible through the Holy Spirit's power. He was given this amazing revelation. Uh, the epistles, wrote so many of the epistles. And so God knew Paul could be a proud dude, just like all of us, and he gave him a thorn in the flesh to break him, to keep him weak, to keep him soft. We don't know what it was, and there's a reason for that. It could be anything. God knows anything. Only God knows exactly what it takes. He's the master surgeon. He knows just where to, where to put that scalpel, right? <clears throat> so <clears throat> we don't know what it was, but we, see his, we do know what his purpose was. Verse 9, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I'm going to read that again. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties for when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's purpose is with the thorns, God's purpose with these struggles that he puts into our life, God's purpose for the, the hip checks that he gives us, God's purpose is to keep us dependent on his grace. If you never memorized 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10, memorize it today. That, that, that is what we how God keeps us soft and usable for his kingdom. John Newton, great story. John Newton, captain of the slave ship, uh, wicked, depraved man. He, he, was, he was just a wicked slave ship captain. You can't be any more wicked than John Newton. He was so wicked that one time he was drunk. He was almost always drunk. He fell overboard and his men, in order to retrieve him, they didn't throw him a rope, they harpooned him. They threw a harpoon and put it through his leg to pull him back on board. And he, because of that he had a constant limp the rest of his life. It was a constant reminder of God's grace. And John Newton wrote probably the best known hymn of all time, Amazing Grace. He became a Christian and wrote Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. We all need to be broken, every one of us, so God can use us. But first, he's got to save us got to save us first, and he breaks us for that too, which we see with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was broken, and now we see that he is saved. We see Nebuchadnezzar's conversion. God can not only break anyone, reach anyone, break anyone, change anyone, but he can save Anyone and the proof is right here in Daniel four, the end of the chapter here in Daniel four. God breaks us, but His goal is to save us and to use us. And what happens to Nebuchadnezzar happens to each one of us. Why He broke him so He could save him and then ended up using him in a powerful way. Just this, what He said here in Daniel is powerful. This is a final step to Nebuchadnezzar's salvation. Some of you may be on these same steps. I'm going to review it really quickly. It's a process. It takes time. It takes relationships with, with Christians. In step number one, chapter one, he saw the difference in Daniel and his friends with the food and their wisdom. We talked about relationships being so important. Step number two, chapter two, we saw that he was impressed with Daniel's God. He was impressed With the Jewish God, he was impressed by the dream. He saw God's power in Daniel's life. Step number three, chapter three, he saw the fire. And and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being saved from the fiery furnace, he saw God's power there. And now he sees that he's the top God. He's still a polytheistic, but he realizes that God is the highest power. And now we come to the final step of faith, for Nebuchadnezzar here in chapter 4 where he is saved, where he puts his faith in the one true one true God. The one true God. That's the only way to salvation is by putting your faith in the one true God. We know now because of the Messiah coming, that's through Jesus Christ, his son, his one and only son. But I'm just going to read you the first three verses. Now we're going to make a lot more sense of chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders! His kingdom is an eternal kingdom, His dominion endures from generation to generation. Then, down to verse 34, which we already read. At that time I, King Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done? And here we come to verse 36. This is very different from chapter 3. In chapter 3, he just talked about not saying anything bad about God, all right? But here he actually worships God. He has reached the place of salvation. He actually worships God. He calls him the King of Heaven, the King of Heaven. We know there's only one king. Just ask Nebuchadnezzar. There's only one that king Nebuchadnezzar. There's only one king of heaven. He recognizes there's one God now, one king of heaven, and he gives it a public confession to the entire Kingdom. He humbles himself and gives a confession. It reminds us what it says in Romans 8, uh, 9, and 10. Well, uh, I'm sorry, Romans 10, Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10. In Romans 10, uh, verse 8, it says, The word of faith we are proclaiming. The word of faith we are. Oh, I've got it memorized, but I just want to turn just in case. The end of 8 says, The word of faith we are proclaiming. Now get this. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And that's exactly what he's doing. A public confession. A public confession. This is genuine repentance. (coughs) Genuine repentance here. That's why I believe we will all see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven someday. He won't be the king of heaven. (laughs) He's just going to be one of the guys. But he's going to be there. I really believe we'll see him in heaven today, someday. And God can save anyone. If he can save Nebuchadnezzar... He can save you and me. He can save anybody. Anybody. You, we're, a lot of us are praying for that impossible person. You know, you pray for that possible person, then you get discouraged. You kind of give up on them. That family member, that friend, that... that. We think of powerful pagans in our society, the politicians or, or our enemies or somebody on TV or in sports or in, in our town where we live, in New Hope, where we live, New Hope. God, we should keep praying for that impossible person because God can save anybody he chooses to save, anybody. In fact, I saved this article from back, a couple of years back, uh, 2007. Iranian imam receives Christ via satellite TV and escapes the country. Now, look, listen to this story. It's amazing. One of the top Islamic leaders in Iran accepted Christ and left the country after facing death threats and imprisonment, according to an Iranian pastor living in the U.S. This man has been watching Christian TV programs for the past two years. Founder of The the guy who shares this is the founder of the Iran for Christ Ministries, which broadcasts 24-7 in Iran and other Middle Eastern countries. The imam called one of called one of the phone counselors connected to Iran for Christ Ministries and prayed to receive Christ in early February. This man knows all the verses of the Quran by heart, he added. After he began watching, doubt began in his heart about the Islamic faith. The man spent nine months in prison after he questioned the violence of radical Islam. Following his release from prison, he faced numerous death threats and escaped the country. He knows for sure that other high-ranking imams are in the same condition and want to leave Iran. God is shaking the foundation of Islam in Iran. We have been praying for some of the main government officials to come to Christ, and God is answering. And now we see all these 13 years later, there's a revival going on in Iran. A revival, not just the imams, but the regular people, a massive revival going in Iran. Our, most of our media won't report on it. All you have to do is do a search. Uh, the, the, the revival in Iran, and there's there are... Other sites and some even some media, national media is covering it, but most of them ignore it because they don't want to talk about it. Oh, what a shock. So, so the these these uh, God is working, God is working in a powerful way, even in Iran. God can reach anyone, God can save anyone, God can even save you and me. You and me. First Corinthians 6 doesn't matter what you are, what you think you are. Who you are, who you think you are, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we think. It only matters what God's truth says. And listen to what God's word says. Uh, and this is a passage that's really the theme of our church. It's been from day one and we've seen it all. First Corinthians 6, 9-11. Memorize it. First Corinthians 6, 9-11. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do, you not, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's what some of you are. That's what we all were. We could add to that list, couldn't we? I know our church could add to that list. We could double this really easily. That's what we were. Doesn't matter what we were, it could be what we what what we are. I'm just saying, it doesn't matter what we are, it could be what we were. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, we are washed, sanctified, justified, just as if I never sinned. Sanctified, set apart, holy. We can be washed, whatever filth we carried in, whatever is on this list, anything on that list, I'm going to read it again. Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. We all were. We all wear that. But we can be saved. How? Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Anybody can be saved. Anyone. Have you been saved? doesn't matter what life you are living, what, who you are, what you are, doesn't matter. It can be what you were if you will put your faith in Jesus Christ. We'll get to that in just a moment. Who is God calling us to reach? Who is God calling us to pray for? What impossible person. Someone seems impossible. The Story, <clears throat> I saved this one because it's about the most impossible person you could think of getting saved. It says, hijacker converted during hijacking. <laughs> a, mission, a missionary flight was hijacked from Haiti in February. This is uh, back in uh, '93. It's been a while. Land- landed in Miami safely, where the hijacker surrendered to the authorities. He uh, reportedly commandeered the plane and shot a hole through the, the floor of the aircraft. He demanded he be taken to Miami, so he took him to Miami. Nine passengers and two cl- crew members were on board. When the plane left Haiti after refueling, Karen Davis, who had been taken hostage by this man at the airport, began to talk with him. After talking for a while, he prayed to accept the Lord. Then he gave up his gun to the missionary and surrendered to the authorities of Miami. The missionary organization has been keeping in touch with him while he's waiting on trial. They wanted to keep on ministering him. They didn't just drop him. What a story. What a story, right? What a story maybe you feel like you're a hostage. Maybe you feel like you're a hostage to someone in your marriage or your teacher or your boss. Well, you might be right where God wants you. God might be using you to reach this monster. God, think of Daniel working for Nebuchadnezzar. Wicked man. Daniel knew it. he called him on it. But yet God was using him to prepare Nebuchadnezzar, using Daniel to prepare Nebuchadnezzar for salvation we might be right where God wants us and (coughs) it's not always instant we we live in it, it took many years for Nebuchadnezzar's salvation, many many years, we live in this instant society we want everything instant, instant coffee microwave oven, we want everything instant every pill we take, we want the pain to stop instantly, That's, that's the American way But it's not always instant. It's rarely instant. It takes time because God is not only changing the person we're ministering to but he's working in our hearts too. How is God working in our hearts today? Let's pray. Maybe you're here today listening to this wherever you are and you feel like you're hostage. You feel like your life has been hijacked. somebody who you hate but just maybe God is going to use you to save them God is going to break them just like he is breaking us maybe he's even using this to break us and them How is God working in our heart to break us so that he can use us, so he can soften us, so that we will depend on his mercy and grace, so that we'll be dependent on his power, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. What is he using in our life and how is he using us in someone else's life? Will we surrender to God's will, say, God, use me No matter what you have to do in my life, no matter what you have to do in my life to reach someone else, do it. Maybe you are Nebuchadnezzar and God is breaking you and bringing you to salvation. Maybe today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time of God's salvation. Maybe this is the day that you take that final step that you've reached the end of self. The end of your rope. Maybe the coronavirus has brought you here. But he's bringing you to the place of salvation. Of giving your life to God. Just like Nebuchadnezzar putting your faith in God. But now we put our faith in his son Jesus Christ. We now who know who the son of God is. We know who the Messiah is. He's already come now. Daniel was looking forward to him as we're going to see in, in, in the, his prophecies. Looking forward to Jesus. But he's in the on our back mirror now. We already, he's already come. He's already died on the cross for us. He's already done what Daniel prophesied he would do. He died on the cross for our sin to make us right with God if we will put our faith in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Are you ready to believe in Jesus? Put your faith in Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. You can do that right now. I encourage you to do it right now. God, I repent. I turn away from my sin, from my old life, from the garbage, from the shame. I walk away from that old life. I ask you to forgive me. Everything done in the past, forgive me. Give me a brand new life in Jesus. Whatever mess I'm in, bring something good out of it. Give me a new life in Jesus because I'm putting my faith in Him. I'm giving my life to Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, your life is a miracle and you're going to be a miracle of grace, of God's mercy and grace, He's going to do some amazing things. Father, I pray everyone would know that joy and peace and purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have put your faith in Jesus today, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a family member or a friend who's a Christian. Tell them so they can be excited for you. They've probably been praying for you. And so they can help you grow spiritually. And if you don't have anybody to tell, tell me. Email me, nhcc at comcast.net. nhcc at comcast.net. Email me. I'll be excited. I'll help you grow. I'll help you get connected with some Christians, Bible study, church. Somehow I'll help you get moving forward spiritually. I'm going to be excited. But let somebody know so we can help you and encourage you. And, and even if you're already a Christian, but God is doing something in your life, I encourage you to share that. Maybe God is convicted and you've surrendered something and you've been broken and you've been softened. Share that with your Bible study or, or a trusted Christian friend or your pastor. Let them know. Uh, and if you need someone to tell, tell me. Same thing. Send me the email nhcc at comcast.net and I'll be excited and I'll help you and I'll steer you in the right direction somehow to keep on moving forward. Share with somebody. God bless.